This is a public service announcement. If you live in the Hampshire area and have stolen our oil, I bloody hate you. <laughs> Hello and welcome to BoagWorld.com, the podcast for all those involved in designing, developing and running websites on a daily basis. My name is Paul the Icicle Boag. Uh, my name's Marcus Lillington. I'm fine. It's not cold near you. What was his? And then we've also got Lee Lee House, who, who is shivering. Who has got how many layers of clothes on? I have now got two pairs of trousers on. So we have, well, basically it's not that cold. It is <laughs> freezing, Marcus. We well, got in so late. You know, you were warm. Yeah, warm you warmed up here. at ten o'clock. We've already you know got cold. Did I was coming after you before you. No, you did not come in before me. You big fat liar. No, I usually do. Oh, oh. <laughs> I put your heater on at 8am for you, Marcus, just so you'd be warm when you got in. Thank you. So Thank anyway, you. should we explain to them uh, <laughs> yeah. what the problem is? Is that we've had a, we, we, this, this barn, this stupid-ass barn that we decided to flip in rent, um, doesn't have mains gas. So our whole heating is done via um, oil, which has now been stolen twice, mm-hmm. despite Chris's security measures so basically we're not going to bother with it anymore no. <laughs> <laughs> jumpers and extra trousers like that's the way to treat this yeah that saves some money wouldn't it definitely yeah i think that's that's good you know in these tough tough economic times anyway we've got a podcast to do so we will go on regardless even though i've lost the feeling in my fingers Right, so over the first three episodes of the season um we've kind of introduced this idea of client-centric web design and I've explained that it leads to better websites, happier clients, and improved profit margins. However, to make this really work, you need to have an intimate understanding of the client. Intimate understanding of the client. That sounds so Ooh. dodgy. Doesn't it? <laughs> you need to really know the client, really, um, and their business. The thing, the problem is, is that face value projects can look like previous work, and you, you know you might have worked in a sim- with a similar audience before, or using the same technology, or within a familiar sector. Um, but I think in reality, every project is different, and we've got to resist that temptation to leap into Photoshop and just kind of push on. So, what we're going to look at this week is we're going to look at gathering requirements um, in terms of why it's important to do. Um, why we need to go to the FM, why that shouldn't be pushed out. And then we're going to look at reviewing kind of what exists. So we're going to look at various kind of um, expert reviews, heuristic reviews, analytical reports, all that kind of gubbins. And then we're going to look finally at the thing that we talked about, I think, a number of occasions before, which is stakeholder interviews. But yes. we've never gone into very much depth. So we're going to do that today. I think that the, the main message... You're now going to sum up the whole podcast. No, 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 no. I hate it when you do this. <laughs> yes, Go on. Because it's, it's always so good, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just make everything else so pointless. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, you know, people need to have a, a good understanding of where we're going with it. No, not, nothing, uh, this isn't a Go summary. On, Go on then, give us the summary. Get uh, on with it. It's not a summary. It's basically to say that the point you were making there, which you skipped over really quickly, oh, is it's I? so easy to think 
this project's like the one I did before. Yes. But, yeah. you know, you it's actually... never and, is. And you, and you don't hear the thing that... It, people tell you things when you're doing stakeholder interviews, for example, yeah. and you don't hear it. You hear you what you want to hear. Exactly. You have to kind of teach yourself to listen and actually say, ah, my preconceived ideas on this are wrong. <sighs> yes. Absolutely. That so, was it, Paul. Nothing that, else. That, that, was, yeah. a, that <laughs> was a good point. <laughs> well, do you know why it was a good point? Because it was my point. You just said it again. Um, well, I, can, I, I can say it a third time if you want. <laughs> maybe I said it better. Okay. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's possible. It is a good point, and I'm guilty of it. You kind of instantly think, "Oh yeah, I know, I know what this is all about." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stop oh, listening. Yeah. Open up <laughs> Photoshop. <laughs> Start what I need is this. Yes, absolutely. Oh. And then it comes back. Right, actually, no, that's. <laughs> of course, the other problem is that when budgets are tight and timescales are kind of deadlines are looming on you, there's this temptation to start developing immediately without actually kind of stepping back and actually thinking about the project. <laughs> Um, and I think this part of the problem comes from a misunderstanding on our part about what the nature of a website is. To us, websites are a way that users find information and complete tasks. But I actually think there are a lot more than that. I think somewhere we've become so user centric that we've almost ceased to be client centric and design centric. Uh, sorry, not design centric, business centric. Mm-hmm. And to our clients and their organization, a website isn't just a tool for delivering um, information to users. They're like essential business tools that are kind of deeply integrated with their business aims. You know, it's a marketing channel, a recruitment tool, a customer support mechanism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the more we understand um, our clients, I think the better we do at creating decent websites for them. And that means understanding the business. You know, most of us are good at understanding users and their needs. We understand that it takes time to really get to know our users and that we need to do that because that informs our decision making. And we need, I think we need to do the same with our clients and put the same effort in that we do with our users. I think part of the problem, and we have covered this previously, but I'm going to say it again because it's a good point. Yeah, uh, you like to repeat things, I do. You? Yes, you can ram the message home. I well, uh, that's how you're supposed to do presentations, isn't it? You, you say what you're going to say, you <laughs> say it, and then you say what you said. Exactly. It's always so obvious now. I can't remember what I was going to say. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it probably was a very good point anyway. <laughs> it's basically to do the whole tenet of this uh, this series, Paul. Yeah. Um, it, it's... It's this issue, you've got to make the decision. I think people do understand client requirements, but I think they sort of value them less than user requirements. And actually what we're saying here is they come first. Yeah. Client requirements come first, then deal with the user user's yes. requirements after that. And that's what's quite hard to, I think, for people to get, get their heads around. Yeah. That was and, a good point. Yeah, which is a good point, but you're wrong. Not about the point, but about I don't think people understand clients enough. I think in the average web project, people don't spend enough time getting to know the client and getting to know the business. Not just, I mean, you can almost take those two separately, right? Understanding the client, right, I really don't think a lot of people put much effort into. So, for example, a client, um, you want to know what the client, what makes the client tick, what their main priorities are. You know, even if you shouldn't be building the website specifically for the client, you're building it for the business. Mm. But understanding the client is really important. So, for example, if a client is really into recruitment, for example, Mm -hmm. you can kind of word your arguments and, and presentations around that. 
because you know that that's what makes them tick. And I think it's even useful to know, you know, if a client's job is on the line over this website or if a potential promotion is, you know, available from it. It's, it's worth going that extra mile and finding out that stuff. I agree with that. That's not what I meant. Okay. I meant kind of more business goals. Right. Um, but yes. But even with, even with business goals, I think we, we often kind of get the superficial stuff, mm. you know, like what are your business objectives? So let's prioritise them. Yes. And, but we often don't kind of drill into what's behind it. And that's what I want to kind of cover, really. Yeah. But before I do that, I just want to explain why... I think this is so important. It's not just important for the client and us producing a good quality website. If we understand business uh, uh, drivers and we explain our choices in terms of those organizational goals, it's going to make our sign-off process um, become a hell of a lot easier. Most importantly, based on evidence rather than my subjective opinion. So as a web designer, instead of going you know, well, I like the blue, that's why we've got blue. If I can say, well, we've gone with the blue because, you know, we want to give this impression as was agreed, you know, that that you're stable, safe pair of hands, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it makes it more, less subjective and more objective. Mm -hmm. Not that opinion is ever completely removed from the process. I mean, we know that politics and other non-project related factors influence, you know, decision-making. Um, but I think requirements gathering provides enough knowledge um, to kind of base our decision making in something more f- uh, fundamental. Um, and also requirements gov- um, gathering gives us enough uh, knowledge to be able to uh, not manipulate the, the process, but, but mm. you know, certainly work better with people let's word well, it like you, that. using your example of someone's job might be on the line yeah. is a perfect example of that you don't you don't fight against them all the way through the process because they will kick back even harder yeah you'll exactly. work with them to make it happen yeah um you know and I, I i just think it's really it's really useful to have that more rounded picture so the next question is how do we get that more rounded picture um you know i'm going to presume that that people listening to this are already doing the basics that, that, that you were talking about, Marcus, of like business objectives, success criteria and stuff like that. What I want to kind of get into is the more nitty gritty stuff. Um, and there are two things, reviewing what exi- currently exists online and stakeholder interviews. Those are the, the two things I want mm-hmm. to discuss. So let's begin by reviewing what exists I think most clients have a fairly rigid idea of what they want built when they come to us, which I think is unfortunate, really. I think sometimes it'd be much better if they came to us, um, you know, with some ideas that weren't particularly well um, well formed and that we, we could kind of work with them to, to come up with that. I think clients' um, ideas aren't always well informed and, and kind of sometimes lack the experience that we kind of bring to the table. So we often, what we've taken to doing, which I think works really well, is we kind of urge a client to pay for a review of their current online presence before settling on their requirements, which, you know, has happened. Works really well. It's brilliant, isn't it? Basically because, to a certain extent, you're not going to get a client coming to you 
who hasn't done an internal presentation to get the budget to do the project. So therefore, yeah. they've had to come up with a, this is what we want yeah. exercise. So if you can get in before they do that with review, which we have done on quite a few occasions, um, it means that you are helping to inform the process. Yeah. It works brilliantly. So they, and effectively, they work as these little mini projects mm. before the main bill. Yes. And I, I, I mean, I think clients often like it as well because it's a chance to get to work with us and see what we're like before they commit to spending a huge amount of money on on the actual main website mm. not that we and often, expensive. and often we as quickly we're <laughs> 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 huge <laughs> amount of money <laughs> massive um often the people that we're dealing with um need to have that outside um opinion the expert yeah. specialist opinion to make the project happen. Yeah. They know what they want uh, and they know what's required. And it's almost a case of like, well, this is, they, they will have presented internally saying, this is what needs to happen. This is the budget I need. And then the committee will have said, oh, no, you can't do that. And then they would have come back and got a, an, an expert to come in and say exactly the same thing. Yeah. Which manages to push it all through. Absolutely. Which is, is sad, but true. Yes. So, I mean, we kind of do three different types of review, don't we, really? We do. Our expert review stroke strategy document thingy. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of... Expert review suggests review only, but it's really hard and, I think, slightly pointless just reviewing something. Yes. You need to kind of say how to fix it, too. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be in detail. It's like, well, we recommend that you should be going in this direction with this thing um, that isn't currently working. So it's... But expert review is a—it's a common term, so we stick with it. But it, I'm mm. always yeah, keen I'm, to point out that it's, it's not just a review. That. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So we do that. We do the heuristic review, which is the thing you made up, Lee. Well, yeah, Lee, up. you made it up. I no, didn't. You didn't. I didn't you ripped it, it off. <laughs> <laughs> I took inspiration from the web. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really good. Actually, it is a good thing. Heuristic review. Um, do you want to explain what it is? Um, basically, it's a way of. Providing a scoring system for you know, for elements of the website you can't really put numbers to, so you just kind of come up with a list of questions. Um, like, like, is the color balance good? Um, is is the type legible? And you kind of assign a score to those things. So it gives you a kind of yardstick measurement to judge the site by, and especially if you compare to other sites in the sort of competitors' sites, you can mm. kind of start to see where the weaknesses are yeah i mean what i really like about it, you organize the questions into categories like accessibility design usability, yeah. etc and what i really like is that that circle diagram oh, the, vis- the visual kind of yeah i mean charts are always it's always a, a charts great, are cool <laughs> well it's a visualization isn't it you can see at a glance where the weaknesses are in your categories yeah um it's hard to describe on an audio podcast spider's really? web well, yeah. That's what it looks like. It does. It's called a radar diagram. I mean, yeah. you could do any kind of chart, but that's a particularly compact kind of chart. I yeah, it's great because you can see the, the, the kind of lines that are pointing towards the centre of the workplaces you need to... Yeah. If you want to, by the way, if you want to see what we're talking about, you can look in the show notes, bowagor.com forward slash season forward slash three and select this episode, which is episode four. Thank you. But another great thing about it is, I mean, I've got the huge list of questions. It just makes you kind of delve in a consistent way. Yeah. Under the sort of surface of the website, rather than just sort of looking around, thinking, you know, all the things that leap to the fore. Because that's what it started, wasn't it, really? That 
because I, I write these expert reviews and strategy documents, which are my rambling thoughts, really. And I, I, I do kind of vaguely wander around the site and go, yeah. oh, that doesn't look right. <laughs> and then we asked you to do one, didn't we? And you took this different approach of the heuristic yeah. review. And, and it, I don't think you don't make judgments about how to fix stuff as much, do you? It's more of a, look, this is where the site's at, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you might not, for example, look at I don't know the code behind a contact us form or something. I, I might just have a quick delve around there. You, yeah, you, it might look fine on the surface. Yeah, but yeah, when you dig around a bit, you can see all kinds of problems. <laughs> and I think it's a huge. I mean, I like you the fact that you you're consistent in your questions, so you can compare, you know, apples to apples kind of yeah. thing, and also the fact that. It's numerical that you're you're actually putting numbers against these things, which allows you to do visualization on it and, and kind of make it much more tangible. And you can look at any one of these graphs and just go, okay, so they're weak in accessibility and they're strong in usability, for example, which is great. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing, you know, you can keep fresh as well. I, I keep adding new questions and take some out if they don't seem to be that relevant anymore. Right. Like, you know, do you validate code? That was kind of one that was in there. And yeah. You know, it's not necessarily so important. Um, <gasps> You're going to get hate mail now. <laughs> well, you know, you you take it with a pinch of salt nowadays. You yeah. look at it more carefully, not just see if it's a big green pass. Yes, you know, you absolutely. Look, <laughs> so yeah. it's not quite so important. But yeah. You keep it up to date and keep it fresh. Cool. I, I mean, from the, the kind of expert and um, review strategy document side of things, I mean, that is, I think the difference between that and heuristic review is more that you're looking through the site, you're identifying, you know, obvious issues like poor navigation, verbose copy, that kind of stuff, but also more subtle stuff like um, calls to action or inconsistent labeling, which I, I, you do in heuristic review as well. But I think where the expert review goes is it beyond that is that it, it's saying, well, okay, here's how you fix it. Yeah, yeah. You know, here are the options that are available to you. And I think the two, and also I think there are some areas that the expert and strategy document um, explore that the heuristic review doesn't like, you know, you might go into things like social media or, or which isn't covered as much in the heuristic review. So they are kind of interchangeable in some ways, aren't they? They're different ways of doing a similar Ideally, thing. you shouldn't do them both. The heuristic yes. review really helps to inform the expert. Yeah, it does, yeah. yeah, totally. Yes, absolutely. The other thing I like is, is I think the thing I like most about the heuristic review is that it lets you compare with the competition as well, although that can get really time-consuming. Um, yeah. <laughs> as you discovered. <laughs> Depending on how many kind of um, point heuristics you've got in each of your kind of categories, yeah, but it can take quite a long time. So but what, do you cut the list down? Is that yeah, how you yeah I kind of have a shorter list if I'm going to do a, a, a competitive heuristic review. Yes. <laughs> competitive heuristic review. very grand. Yeah, this sounds very <laughs> grand, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Competitive tour <laughs> heuristics review. It's what? not a competitive oh, I always, review. I always say competitive, don't you? You yeah. always it, pick me up. So does he. It's not a competitive review. That would suggest we were yeah. we were fighting it out to do the best competitor review. It's competitor. competitor. Oh, shut up. No, I won't. Pedantic <laughs> ass. Um, so that's the... We talked about the expert review. We talked about the heuristic review. Analytical report. Which we know nothing about, because Chris always does those. Well, I've delved around a little bit. Oh, and, and, yeah, and he showed me about um, segmentation and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And yes. it, was, it was quite revealing just to see like figures on how many people, say, get to a product page and then 
can't get through to well, the basket or they get to the basket and they can't check out or they don't check out and you know, yeah seeing, all, seeing it all in terms of figures is quite interesting yeah and gives you, you know gives you some insight behind what's going on but yeah i'm not an expert at <laughs> google analytics i mean i i i think these although i'm not very good at them i'm not a numbers person i'm a visual person but i can still really see the value of these you know, and I think it's really worth doing one of these before you do your proper project because it gives you a baseline to be able to judge the success or otherwise of, of what you're going to do. Absolutely. So there's kind of two benefits in my mind to an analytics review. That's one of them. Um, of course, that means that the existing site has to have something like Google Analytics installed on it, but most mm. organizations have something like that running. They just don't ever look at it or, or don't get past the kind of page views, unique visitors default view um but the second thing i think which is really interesting is um this idea of understanding user behavior that you can actually work out a hell of a lot about what users are doing on an existing website using things like advanced segmentation which which is superb for telling how different users behave and you know do people that visit this page versus this page are they more likely to convert or you know all of that kind of stuff which is is really fascinating stuff so it's worth um, check in, you know, checking out what Google Analytics is really capable of because it's capable of a hell of a lot more. And um, as we've said many times before, I think on the show, and I, I also even if the existing site doesn't have analytics installed on it, I think it's worthwhile installing it like right at the beginning when you first start the project and letting it run while you're developing the new site. So at least you've got some historical data to compare back to. Otherwise, you really don't know whether the new site is better than the old one, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is fairly fundamental. Okay, so that's a little bit about different reporting stuff. Let's talk stakeholder interviews. This is where I wind up Marcus and set him off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, was well, not, I was nodding off there it, briefly. It, well, it's your thing, isn't it, stakeholder interviews? It is, yes. I do, and I quite enjoy doing them as well. Um, why, do, why do we do them? What's the benefit of them? Well, actually, no, step back from that. What are they? What? Because a lot of people don't do them, so don't know what they are. So explain what happens in a stakeholder interview. Right. What, they, interview what they're not right. is a kind of group workshop. Right. They, that doesn't work. Uh, they are one-to-one interviews. Why doesn't it work doing them as a group? Because get loud mouths like you in there <laughs> um, <laughs> taking over... And just giving their opinion and everyone, all the little mousy people going, Nod. yes, yes yeah, Paul, yes, yes right. Paul. Um, so that's I why... I wish people went, yes, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not complete. I mean, I, I have over over the years done interviews with more than one person, but generally speaking, one-to-one is best because people will open up. As long as you tell them that whatever they're saying is confidential, which yeah. it always is, yeah. and I'll come on to that, yeah. why that's good for two reasons yeah. um, later on. Um as long as they understand it's totally confidential, whatever they say will not be assigned to their name, yeah. then if it's one-to-one, they'll tell you everything. Right. Uh, and therefore, you're really, really getting to the nitty-gritty of political issues that might stop uh, great ideas about the site happening. The, the point of stakeholder interviews, or one of the points of stakeholder interviews I've found over the years, is to get the right thing happening with the project, to get agreement early yeah. on. Yeah. So you're... You're, you tend to interview powerful people throughout an organisation. Yeah. And those powerful people, as a group, tend to be at loggerheads with each other. Particularly, we do a lot of work in HE, yeah. universities, and they are heads of department, academics, 
who it's their job to be antagonistic. Um, <laughs> and that's unfair. There goes our HE sector clients. And antagonistic wasn't fair. That was not no, fair to, at all. But, uh, to encourage debate. Adversarial, yes. certainly. Um, so, they, you know, somebody says this is how it's going to be. It's their nature to say, no, it isn't. Yeah. Um, so, therefore, what the, the, the point of doing stakeholder interviews often is to basically ask a lot of questions. I'll come on to that in a little, little bit um, uh, more detail in a minute. But the same set of questions yeah. to all these people where you're basically su- suggesting sensible things. Right. And, so you're and, and intelligent stuff. people... It's more than just asking questions, then. It's making suggestions. Uh, it, it's, it's questions. Leading questions. Yes, some of them are leading, yeah. yeah. Um, like, don't you think the website's shit? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to pay us a lot of money to redesign no, it? No, because we're already, we're already working with them. Okay. Uh, um, it, what kind of questions? I'll give you an example. Okay, let, let's, go back to, let's go back to the questions. I'll, I'll make the point about... You're jumping all over the place, Mark. Because I do. It's very messy. I've got it all nicely written down here. I'm not looking at your it. notes. You're <laughs> asking a question. I'm answering it. Um, like, you've got a complicated tree of things to come back to. Yeah, so. that's... You've got, yeah, <laughs> yeah, someone keeping notes of all the things you're coming back there's to. Two, there's two things. two things there and there's something else over there. <laughs> Who made me go... go Don't blame on. me! <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Questions. Right, yes. Yes. What kind you of come questions? up with a script, and I tend to work that script based on the recommendations from the expert review. Right. We're testing what, what the recommendations... How those recommendations are going to go One down. of those recommendations, a common one, particularly for a university, if we'll stick with this, this uh, example, is your website looks like every other website in... In that sector. In that sector. Yeah. Another one, and even a more, a more uh, politically difficult, uh, a, a politically difficult to change one would be all of your department websites um, are completely different, poorly designed, have no sure. um, uh, synchronicity with the brand, etc., etc. Yeah, this is wrong. You should change it. Yeah. So therefore, so that's the statement in the in the in the expert, expert review. review. So we've got to test that with. 10, 20, 30 stakeholders. Um, so effectively, what, what you're asking, the way to ask the question is, do you think uh, it would be better for the, all the departmental websites within the university to follow, um, uh, to fo- to follow the university's branding in general? Yeah. Everybody except somebody who's particularly difficult will say, well, yeah, of course. Right. And then you go back later... And, and you throw that in their face. You, say, you said, you said. No, no, you, you'd say that 19 out of 20 <laughs> people asked this question said yes. Right. I mean, it's more, you, you wouldn't just say yes, therefore you do it, because it's a conversation. Right. Um, what I always say at the start of a stakeholder interview is I've got a bunch of questions, I've got a script. Um, if you feel the need to go off on any tangents, that's fine, we'll cover that as well. Yeah. So. People tend not to answer just yes. They'll go yes, but yes, and, and you've got to include the the buts, all the buts, buts and... in in your report. It's got to be a fair report. Although, I mean, who are you? Sorry, go on, Karen. No, no, because this is this is one of the things I left hanging. Okay. <laughs> um, it because everything is confidential. Yeah, you own it. You own all of these responses. Yes, nobody else does, yeah. and you can't give it to them because you've told everyone else. It's everyone that's been interviewed, it's confidential. Yeah. So I'm not suggesting... So you make up stuff, don't you? I'm not <laughs> suggesting for a minute you should make things up. 
they can talk to each other, uh, but it, they probably won't want to. No, they won't. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> how can I put this? You can uh, pick and choose which parts of the feedback you put the emphasis mm-hmm. on. Yeah. What we're what we're being hired to do here is to come up with the absolute best website at the end of the day. Yeah. Now, therefore, we're we're hired. To, to deal with difficult political situations. And this yeah. is one place where we can do that. You can see through the political situation, cut through it, and, and you get can to the important it. It's about members. understanding the organisation yeah. again. Yeah. I'm you not know, suggesting for a minute it. that I'm going to say if somebody says black, oh, actually they said white. Yeah. No. Never. Um, it's a question of trying to see when somebody's trying to manipulate the process from the other side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I guess, you've got to balance... The different types of feedback you're getting from different mm. people as well. I mean, there are other, it's beyond, you know, yes, there is a big political advantage for doing stakeholder interviews in big complex organizations, mm-hmm. especially in terms of um, uh, allowing people to talk it out. Because a lot of it is, I want my voice heard. Yes. So, you know, a big part of it is just letting them come in the room and rant about whatever it is that they want to rant about. But I don't think it's. That's not the only benefit to doing them. I mean, they do also get us up to speed with the organisation. Yeah, definitely. You can't... They're, they're, I think they are imperative, even if you only do three or four. Yeah. You know, I've, I've done days where I've held a workshop um, with everyone to get kind of inputs on what the objectives are for the site, what success, success criteria. And I've done a couple of stakeholder interviews over lunch. Yeah. And you're just making sure that those... It's its the high-powered people. You've got to make sure that they've kind of bought into the process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because the danger is if you don't talk to those those real decision-makers mm. at the start, then something will crop up later on the, down the line that suddenly derails the whole project. Yeah, and quite a lot of the time, they're, they... <laughs> They'll almost rubber stamp it. Yeah, that yeah. sounds great. Brilliant, brilliant. I love everything you're saying. And you end up talking to them Yeah, in, in situations like that. They which, just want to know. Which, is, again, is great because mm. it gives them confidence in your abilities. And these high-up mm. people, you know, discover from chatting with you for half an hour, you know your stuff, let them get on with it. Exactly. Because often these people only interfere when they think there's a problem because mm. they're so busy normally. That you know, if they if they think you're doing a great job, if they think you know what you're talking about, they'll just let you get on with it. I mean, I think the other thing that I, I get out of stakeholder interviews is that broader perspective, because you're often with the kind of clients we work. And admittedly, we work with bigger clients, and that brings me on to a question in a minute. But in the kind of clients that we work with, you're hired by um, the marketing team exactly, or yes. the technical team or whatever else. And actually, that can skew the whole project and mm-hmm. make the website all about marketing, or all about comms, or all about whatever, where actually it needs to be broader than that. So the stakeholder interviews matter from that point of view as well. They do. Um, <laughs> and that's, again, you have to kind of... When I was talking about that slightly... Kind of, well, the, the thing I was talking about earlier on when I was getting a little bit squirmy about it, Yeah, you have to view it as what's right for the business yes. and not right for... X the, department or Y department. Exactly. Yeah. But then you've got to bear in mind that that person, as we said earlier, might their job might be on yeah. the line. It's, it's really tough. It, it, <laughs> it's tricky. I mean, part of this is, you know, I think part of this is the kind of clients we work with. So, I mean, there's a question here, which is, you know, if someone's working for a smaller organisation, mm-hmm. is it still worth doing stakeholder interviews? Or is it only relevant for these big corporates that we deal with? 
It depends how small, I would say. If you're if you're sat in a uh, round a table with the managing director of a company of twenty people, then you probably don't. Right. Um, but if it's eighty people, then yeah, yeah. So it's all it, essentially. I mean, I think the criteria is for me if you're not if you're not dealing with the boss that can just for, force the project through. Mm then you probably need to consult and, uh, I suppose, in some way. Yeah, I mean, and you're going to cons- everyone consults at the start of a project, but it may be just a kick-off meeting and yeah. we get the issue with the managing director being the bully. Yeah. Bully's too strong. But, you know, the, 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 strong, yeah, the strong personality that kind of, this is how it's going to be, da-da-da. And it, it may be that the in this particular company of 20 people, the, the marketing manager, who just, that's, they have one person who does that, is thinking all the way through, this isn't right, this isn't right, this isn't right, and doesn't say anything, mm. then, yeah, maybe you should be. Would it not be the case that if, you're, if the people around the team, you know, the team around the table at the kickoff meeting, if the, all the key decision makers aren't in that team, then you should therefore require stakeholder interviews yeah. from outside of that team? Yeah. And... <laughs> Sometimes it's even sorry. Sometimes it's e- even if they are around the table, it's still, especially if you're finding some level of, mm. of conflict going on there. Yeah. It's the divide and conquer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you talk to them individually, you get a different story. It, and, and I suppose the term stakeholder interview is quite grand. It's uh, a chat and with that, some that, questions that could be five minutes on the phone. Yeah, with the finance director of this small company, yeah. who you really, who probably doesn't really care that much. But it could be interesting to get his or her opinion on that. And you can, and it doesn't have to be an hour no. in their office with the door shut. It could no. be five minutes over the phone. As long as you cover the um, you know, the, the, the areas that you're suggesting need to change or... Yeah, as, as, yeah it's, it's the areas of change. We, we've done a review. We think it should be this. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Do you agree? I mean, that's basically what it boils down to, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I completely... But you're also... You, the, the other thing, the other part of it is that you're trying to get... You're always asking people, particularly at the end, um, what, the, what their input is on the... What, what do you think the, the website should be should doing? Do. Yeah. Um, and then you can get some really wild and wacky things come out that, you, that we've never even considered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and neither have the marketing department that you're dealing with. No. Uh, so then that can kind of, um, yeah, that can skew things for a while. Some of them are really good ideas. Yeah, and important stuff for mm. some other part of the business that, you know, marketing hadn't considered. So, exactly. yeah. I mean, we go into a lot more depth in the book about um, uh, how to run an effective stakeholder interview because I'm, I'm aware that we've kind of talked about the benefits and who should be there, but we haven't talked about the kind of logistics of of writing your questions and going off on tangents and all the other kind of stuff. Well, I mean, maybe it's just a, a few kind of really stock questions that work, that get people talking. Yeah, go on then. Are, um, uh, what, what, what are your three major issues with the current website? Yeah. That just, they're off. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you tend to find that, you know, two out of three are the same for everybody. Yeah. Um, and that it also tallies with the, with the ma- first two major points in in the expert review. So everyone's, yeah, this is great. We're right. You're right. We all need to move forward together. Yeah. Um, other good ones are um, the, the 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 classic, uh, which I think we're going to cover later. Actually, maybe not in this particular podcast. No. Uh, if if you're 
if your website was a person, a famous person, oh, a yeah. famous person yeah, B, and some people go, I don't know. <laughs> and then you say, well, okay, well, what kind of characteristics? Yeah, characteristics. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good one. Um, they're kind of more branding type type um, questions. And another one on, well, another one that covers branding and requirements is um, what are your um, USPs? Yeah. Or they don't have to be unique, but what... Yeah, what, what are your selling points? Exactly. Uh, and then you get so much from that. Yeah. Um, knowing what selling points are kind of drives information architecture. Mm. So, yeah. No, those are good questions. Uh, I can't think of anything else on top of my head. So it's funny when most of the interviews, they all kind of... They're, they're all tying together, then the boss comes in and says something completely different. Yeah. Something to me twice. Yeah, it, it oh. does happen. <laughs> I mean, it kind of gives you an idea about the organisation. Perhaps he's not getting his messages across somehow. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, I mean, that, that's quite a tricky situation when that yeah. arises, because what do you do then? Yeah. Do you go Ooh. with the boss or do you go with everybody else? Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, you need to follow up. Yeah. yeah. Well, you need to highlight the problem. Yeah. That exists exactly. fundamentally, you know. That's the problem with commercial organisations. Well, no, that's any organisation. Mm. My example earlier of the university with department heads is they are all equal. Yeah. Uh, and, but um, I guess if a principal yeah, in a university is the boss effectively says completely different, then yeah, you've got to have that. You've then got to sit down with the marketing department and say, we've got an issue here. Yeah. How do we deal with it? Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. So, yeah, lots more information in the book at boagworld.com forward slash season forward slash three, um, where I talk about, you know, how to get the most out of these stakeholder interviews. So that is, is pretty much it. I mean, the point that we're driving home this week is that knowing about your client and your business and their requirements is, is crucial to client-centric web design. And without that knowledge, you you know, you, there are going to be misunderstandings. There's going to be conflicts. The, you know, the, pro, the, the whole process is going to be slowed down. And yes, it takes time to do this kind of review and these stakeholder interviews, but it will save you time in the long run. And that's the key because things will go much smoother as a result. So each week you may have noticed I've, I've asked you to go away and given you homework to do. So <laughs> this week is no exception. Your three pieces of homework this week um, is to start including stakeholder interviews and future proposals. So depending on the budget, this uh, could be part of the kickoff meeting or a you know, chat over lunch or, or a telephone call. Um, or if you've got more money, a series of stakeholder interviews. But Aim, um, uh, the aim here is to talk to anybody who has a say in improving the work, basically, or, yeah. or you know, a stake in the in the website. Hence, it's worth saying that um, because you're doing one-to-one interviews that tend to last between half an hour and an hour. Yeah. Um, don't say, don't agree to doing 20 interviews in a day because you'll never do it. No. Um, yes, yeah, sort of seven hour, seven interviews a day is about kind of. Comfortable, you'll know you've had a day's work at the end of that. Yeah, it is hard work. <laughs> One other thing to cover so is, basically, you're moaning, Oh, I'm so hard done by stakeholder <laughs> interviews. Uh, one, one other thing I've worked cover. so much harder than everyone else in the company. Shut it, Paul. Work harder than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody works harder than me. <laughs> it's not true, is it? You work so hard. Um, is whether I like to do. Uh, interviews one to one. I yeah. just me and just the person. Yeah, which means that I have to kind of take notes, type yes. type their answers as we're we're going. As yeah, it. I like that um, because I think it's 
if I've got somebody else taking notes from Headscape, A, it's costing them more. Yeah. Uh, and B, I think it suddenly becomes less... A formal interview. Yeah, it's sort yeah. of less, less intimate. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a kind of dodgy way, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? You want people to open up, and I think doing it properly, one-to-one, yeah. is the way to do it. Yeah, that's good. I mean, you can ask them if you if they mind having it recorded, and then you can make the notes later, but of course that takes twice as long. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. I wouldn't... We've make, done it before. I, I've never done that, mm. ever. I want they take the notes while you're going. Just so you can concentrate on listening, and then, yeah, you've got it always to refer but, back yeah, to, word tr- for word. The trouble is, I know what you're saying, but I have two problems with recording it. One is... I think it make, puts changes, you know, people go on the defensive as yeah, soon as yeah. you say. And then secondly, it takes bloody ages to listen to it, it all does. back and pick out the notes. <laughs> well, I that, can't be asked that. That's, that's the, uh, <laughs> my, my next point, the really dull part of this. If you've done I, um, one particular university, I did 40 stakeholder interviews. God, um, <laughs> in neck. Is how am I going to compare my responses? So yeah. you've got a dozen questions. Yeah. And it's literally, this is how I do it. Right. I have not found a better way of doing it, is I print each set of responses. Yeah. And I will go through one question at a time. Like, so I've got my pile. Yeah. That, right, question one. Right. And then then flip it over. Yeah. And then look at the 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 next one. Question one, one, the next one, one, flip it over till I get to the bottom, turn it over, move on to the next one. So it's hard work, that is. Yeah. Um... But you've got to do it because you have to make sure that you've covered every single base. One final point on stakeholders. So I've been wrapping up with the yeah. bits of homework. <laughs> yeah, I'm well, off again. Yeah, well, I didn't know you were finishing. I don't follow your notes. <laughs> um, These are good tips from the you know, top stakeholder yeah, I, interviewer. I <laughs> the final, final point, and this I think is the most important thing of all, and why it's made, I made the point earlier about taking notes, is... And you, what you were saying there, Lee, is you've got to listen to what, what people are saying, but also you've really got to try hard to read between the lines. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people won't be saying what they really think. Yeah. So you've got to read between the lines and kind of maybe add questions that are... Yeah, they're suggesting, to draw it I want to them. go here. So you've got to try and try and kind of draw that out of them. Exactly yeah. That. You can't have a hard set of questions and just go through those regardless. Yeah. yeah it it's not a statistical a, exercise. No, it's a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll shut up now. Right, homework <laughs> for all the boys and girls listening. So, put stakeholder interviews into your future proposals, um, even if it's just a little bit. Don't forget to add the extra time for, for, for writing up your results afterwards and working yeah, out what it says. Secondly, have clearly defined business objectives. Don't start work until you have at least a list of prioritised business aims that can be measured and translated into calls to action. A kickoff meeting, great time to put those together. Um, so make sure you're doing that. Um, and then finally, review the, your clients. I've got to jump in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think stakeholder interviews ideally should happen before the, the kickoff meeting. Ooh, controversial. No, not really, because I think you're testing, as I said earlier, the recommendations from the expert review. So if you can then go into the mm. kickoff meeting with those recommendations approved if you like then you're further be, yeah. down the line you're much more informed off. at that yeah. point you, so yeah. essentially when you talk about kickoff meeting you're talking about a kickoff meeting for the build project yes yeah yeah like wireframing all yes that kind of stuff. i would agree yeah. with that well okay. that makes sense because we're talking about doing a micro project beforehand which is you require yeah, yeah. gathering right. stakeholder yep. interviews yep. then you go into your build so sure. yeah that's fine. okay 
Um, and then the final bit of homework is um, to review your client's online presence. Ideally, um, this sh- should cover their existing websites, social networks, analytics and competition. However, where budgets are tight, just spend an hour or so looking over their site. It's just always worth it to look at what they've got before you start building what they're going to have. Mm. Um, you'll not regret the time spent researching the back uh, and uh, gathering information on your projects. It is totally worthwhile. And I think nowhere will the value be more proved than when it comes to getting sign-off and design sign-off in particular. And that's what we're going to be discussing next week, which is the best episode is it humbly. how do you know <laughs> <laughs> it could be really slow and boring well i wrote a really good chapter for it so therefore I, well it might be awful you know we might both lose our voices or something i don't know but i'm confident it's going to be a good i've show. never lost my voice in Have my entire not? life i lose mine really easy mm. what does that say? <laughs> <laughs> oh shut up <laughs> right tell your stupid joke and let's wrap this so this up. is from a comedian called alan sharp so this better oh alan sharp yeah I was in a band which we I've called... I've no idea. <laughs> I just thought... I, I thought it was just me who didn't know who no, it was. No, no, yeah. no. I've no idea. No. Sorry, something about band. Yeah. I, I was in a band yeah. which we called yeah. The Prevention. Hmm. The because prevention. we hoped we would, people would say we were better than The Cure. <sighs> <That's> <laughs> so, and a real, a real comedian, a real comedian <laughs> said that. <laughs> Proof that it's the delivery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we, we proved that yeah. long, long is, ago. Is he still a comedian? That's the, that's the question. <laughs> <laughs> At that point in time, he was. He now works in Burger King. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with Burger King. No, no I'm, I'm sure. It's a fine lit- organisation. <laughs> <laughs> right, there we go. That's the show wrapped up for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we will return next week and maybe, well, not next week, a couple of weeks' time. Um, maybe we'll be a bit warmer. Oh, no, it's warmer now. You've you've heated the room up, Paul. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is hard. It's toasty warm. What is it? Pick on Paul Day. <laughs> Could be this mixing desk here. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what it is. Because it's a laptop. This thing. Yeah, you might fry eggs, eggs on the old MacBook. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right, shut up, guys. We're finishing the podcast now. Bye. 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 Oh, my God.